So yeah, people talk about 80-20, multifamily deals, operators good, markets good, but one thing can change in the investment structure. So let's say they said 80-20 is not based on profit, it's based on whatever equity, I'm going to split 20% from day one, right? So you can always structure your paperwork to say that 80-20 is actually, uh, it's a fee that you're paying to us. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth by investing on Main Street, investing in real estate. Today, our guest is James Kandasamy. And today we're talking about risk in syndicated multifamily deals and really getting into the details, things that James noticed. He is a multifamily syndicator, but he noticed this after and while writing his book for passive commercial real estate investors and noticing where the risks were in especially other syndicators deals. And he kind of restructured the way he thinks about risks and priorities that folks should look at when evaluating syndicated multifamily deals. And if you don't know what all that means, don't worry. We're going to get into it. We're gonna, he's going to break it all down for you and talk about risks that you may not notice or identify in deals that you evaluate until you listen to this interview and you're going to understand a little bit better about how maybe some syndicators are hiding risks in their deals or structuring deals in a certain way that puts more risk on the passive investor if things kind of go upside down. And we're going to get into all that. It's a little complicated, but he really does a great job of breaking it down for us and making sure we understand how we can understand these risks, how we can, when we're looking at deals, how we can make sure we're we're protected or understand whether or not we're exposed to these risks in particular. So really interesting conversation. James was uh, so helpful in this conversation. And he and I had a conversation before and after recording this interview, and he was just so, so helpful. So I certainly appreciate uh, his time both for this interview. And personally, he provided a lot of uh, great information for me. So shout out to James. Appreciate it so much. If you're new to the show and you're an Apple Podcast user and you haven't yet, please take a quick second, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars would be so much appreciated. That helps other people learn about the show. That helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me the warm and fuzzies because I get to see that you're engaging with the, with the content and you're escaping that Wall Street casino along with us. No matter what podcast app you use, if you do enjoy the show, take a second, look us up, hit that subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode straight to your mobile device every month. And what you do and who you are, can you tell us a bit about your business? And then we'll dive in. Sure, sure. James, my name, my name is James Kandasami, uh, based out of Austin, Texas. We buy in uh, Austin, San Antonio, and all over Texas. Uh, and uh, currently, we own like uh, almost 2,000 units, class B and C. And we are single GP, you know, um, uh, investments with the, all our 2,000 units. I mean, of course, we and our passive investors, but we are the single GP. And uh, we have raised almost $50 million uh, until now. Our assets are almost $220 million in uh, total value. All that doesn't matter, right? At the end of the day, you have to buy it really, really cheap, right? doesn't mean if you own $1 billion, you can probably, you probably bought very expensive stuff. Right, so <laughs> compared to a guy who owns a hundred million dollars, he bought really, really cheap stuff and a lot of upside, right? So, so the AUM doesn't really matter, but I just want to mention that so at least people know where where we are in terms of assets. Um, yeah, we focus a lot on value at deals, and um, um, and also I'm 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 also the author of a passive investing in commercial real estate, the best selling book in Amazon and international as well. Great, awesome, and you know it's 
very impressive uh, what you say you've done. I just want to point that out that this is a you've done these deal, deals as a single GP rather than you know a team of a number of general partners who share a number of roles. You maybe have some folks in there who are you know dubiously just just raising money in those deals, but that's not what you're doing. You're doing it all on your own, which is pretty you know, uncommon slash unique. Uh, mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and also if I forgot to mention, we are also vertically integrated. So we have our own property management, asset management construction ourselves. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I didn't realize it is unique uh, until later I, when I talk to people and uh, you know, um, it's just how we started and how we uh, continued and we were able to raise the money ourselves through our investors we're able to find the deals ourselves. We're able to do asset management and also property management all throughout ourselves. And we have like 45 people working for us right now because of our property management company. We have like almost eight people on the corporate level. Nice. So before we were recording, uh, you were telling me about uh, ways in which you see folks doing deals today, structuring deals, things like that, that put more risk on investors than the investors may realize. And I wanted to see if we could you know, talk more about that, what you see out there, what your, your concerns are about how, you know, others are, are structuring some deals that, that make things a little more risky for their passive investors. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I think it's very, I mean, this podcast and what you're doing is very, very good for your listeners and for your investors as well, because I think uh, everybody need to be educated by, you know, by, anyone, all your guests coming and adding value, right? So, but let me go into why I think, you know, investment structures are very key, right? So, um, so I used to always talk about, you know, what are the top three things? And everybody talks about your top three things in any investment. First is operator. Second is, you know, uh, deal. Third is the market. Or maybe second is the market. Third is the deal. doesn't matter, right? Um, but you know, after I wrote my book, when I start talking to people, I mean, my book is is a you know is a is a is introduction to passive investing. That's, I I wrote it to make sure that people are able to get introduced to how to invest passively because there's a lot of groups out there charging twenty to thirty thousand dollars just to know what I have in my book for. $20 in Amazon, right? <laughs> a lot of people just want to be handhold and uh, I mean, they want to, someone to hold their hand and show them the rope rather than reading a book. That's okay if that's your choice. So after I write, after I wrote my book, I, I talked to people and I started realizing, huh, how, is this, how are these people growing so quickly? There are some people grow very, very quickly and and they buy thousands in units with three, four years. And I always wonder, so... Um, then I realized, uh, I mean, they do partnership. That's okay. Partnerships is, is absolutely a good thing. And and I, at some point, I probably will do partnership as well. Uh, and I, I'm do, I'm looking at that uh, right now. However, um, as I said, always people talk about operator, deals, and market, right? Uh, as the top three things that you everybody need to look at. But I've changed my philosophy on that. It's no more the operator, deals, and markets. Actually, operator. The second one is investment structure that you're signing up to. And the third one can be deal or market, doesn't matter, right? Uh, so the investment structure is what is hidden in your paperwork that you are writing, that you're signing on. As a passive investor, there's a lot of things can be done on the way it's being structured, right? Do you have a prep return? Do you have a, a, a profit split between people? People talk about, oh, we do 80-20, 80-20 profit split, right? I'm sure you have heard about it, right? 80-20, we do 80-20, sounds really good. Yeah. Uh, this operator is only taking 20%, right? And then there's another guy who come and say, oh, I'm only doing 90, 10. I'm only taking 10%, right? Uh, but 
<laughs> that's a lot of manipulation between behind that numbers right manipulation i mean i wouldn't say i don't know whether i should say manipulation i would say the way it's being represented is completely wrong right and let me give you some example on that so i know you're curious about that because i'm yeah. sure a lot of your a lot of passive investors are curious hey, what is james talking about right and i i've heard about all this right so so let me talk about 80 20 profit split right that can be branched into three different risk level right and we always talk about multi multifamily is a low risk investment highly resilient in econ- in uh, any economy right but if you change if you go into these three branches of this 80 20 profit split it can go into the lowest risk to the highest risk, right? And lowest risk is basically you treat it as an original investment. So for example, on a CD, right? Uh, when you go to a bank, let's say you put 100,000, right? On a bank. And when I say the CD, the bank say, I'm going to give you 10% CD, for example, right? There's no 10% nowadays. It's all one, less than one, less than 1% nowadays. For example, 10%, right? So the bank say, I'm going to give you 10% CD, right? So the 100,000 stays as it is, you get 10% profit on top of the 100,000, correct? In in theory, you in, know, in, in theory, in yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the risk is pretty low because you know your capital is being preserved, right? So, mm-hmm. so the lowest risk is basically eighty twenty when your capital is always being preserved as it is. The twenty, whatever profit that is being given out of the in, uh, distribution on a monthly or quarterly basis is actually profit, right? So your capital is always intact, so you're getting profit. So let's say when I said eighty twenty. Year one, I'm going to give 10% cash on cash return, right? Uh, my assumption has always been, uh, or my capital is intact, I'm giving 10% more on top of that, right? So it's, it's actually interest on your money. So that's that's low risk investment, right? Because your capital is always intact, you're making money 10%. So let me t- go to the middle ground, right? So so from low risk, that's a low risk investment. Now make it, let's make it into high risk investment, 80-20 as well, right? So 80-20 high risk investment, right? For example, when you sit, 80-20, when you sit, I'm giving you 10% payout. I'm not giving you cash and cash. I'm giving you payout. What does that payout means, right? So let's say uh, your investment uh, is, uh, your cash flow from the uh, from the property is getting 10%, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm giving you 10% from the property, but I've changed the investment structure that 10% I'm giving you is not profit. I'm giving you capital. So now your capital is no more intact. Your capital is being diluted as you move along. Mm-hmm. Right, you're still getting ten percent. It is still eighty twenty, but the investment structure have changed. Right, rather than giving you as a profit, they are giving you as a capital. Right. So what does that mean for next five years? You're getting ten percent, ten percent, ten percent for next five years. But if you're getting back capital, you're basically making zero money. So drawing down a, a capital account. Yeah, you're drawing down a capital. So basically, it's an investment high high risk investment, right? Because First of all, for next five years, you didn't make any money, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and all the eggs is put into one basket, which is at the sale. At the sale, we hope you're going to make some money and I'm going to give you some return. So basically, your entire risk is put into the end when the exit cap rate. And this is what happened in commercial real estate. Commercial real estate talks about risk methodology and they always said cash flow. A true cash flow is always low risk compared to exit cash. Because no one knows what's going to happen in the next five years. True. Right? So that's they say that's very high risk uh, metrics. The exit cap rate is always very high risk metrics. Cash flow is low risk metrics. But when they have changed this kind of investment structure to only pay you the, your profit, your true profit at the end, uh, it basically they made their entire investment as high risk. Because can you see the how the whole multifamily low risk 80-20 become from low risk to high risk? Just by one word in your PPM. 
So it's it's like you're saying that. So if it's if it's just based on cash flow, it's the literal operation of the property and how the business is performing. But if it's this structure where it's you know paying ten percent capital back, it's it's not based on the actual performance, and you're and you're kind of betting on lower cap rates down the road, or at least yeah. I mean, if I yeah, if I'm if if someone is paying me back my back my capital, I've not many made any money yet. Mm-hmm. Right, I've not made any money yet. It's just my capital. So what? Yeah, it looks good. I'm getting ten percent every quarter or every year. Looks good, babe. But but on paper, it's actually hey, the the sponsor will say that today the world ends. We have to sell the deal, right? The the cap rate, exit cap rate, and entry cap rate is the same. You you didn't make any money, right? So because, mm-hmm. you mentioned changing one word in the PPM. Mm-hmm. What is that word? I just want to make it's sure on on and off. So the PPM will say that return on capital, which is a profit, mm-hmm. okay. which is a low risk versus return off capital. Yeah. So on and off. That's just one word, right? So investment structure change, right? So can you see how it went from one, one spectrum of low risk of 80-20 multifamily investment to a very high risk? The multifamily is still low risk. The market still low risk. The deal is still low risk. The market is low risk. But that's one word change has changed your entire investment structure, right? So... Make sense? I, I believe so. I think I, I think <laughs> I understand. But um, I think the 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 next step is mm-hmm. you know we want uh, we always want our investors to understand the risks and be able to assess the risks for themselves. You know whether it's it's low or high based on their own perception. And I feel like some of the the implication here is you know changing one word in the PPM. It's it's kind of like the fine print in a way. You mm-hmm. know, are, are, do investors in these situations really understand the difference or is it adequately disclosed? Uh, well, everything in PPM is disclosed, right? When I give you a PPM, you're supposed to read and understand and do it. But, you know, I can bet you, you know, a lot of investors don't really understand the legal <laughs> legal jumbo mumbo written yeah. on that PPM, right? People, are, There's so much of FOMO happening, fear of missing out. People just want to sign and get into the deal. Right, people don't really look at investment structure, and sometimes it happens in a large scale, like this kind of you know high risk investment happened in a large scale. They don't really care so much, but they say everybody's the same, right? So I'm just going to follow the same. Or maybe they say, oh, we are in a group. Especially all this happens when you're in a, especially in a group, when a group because everybody thinks the same, right? Or everybody don't understand the they don't understand the same. They understand the same. They also don't understand the, the same thing, right? So it's like the knowledge, the the herd mentality, right? Everybody knows the same knowledge, right? So. Only when they go out of the group, then they realize, oh, actually, we are doing all we have been doing all wrong all the way, right? Right. Um, and as I said, all this won't be exposed for the for the past eleven years. Market has been booming. People will make money in some way, even though it's return of capital because the exit cap rate cap rate has been compressing all the time. Uh, but that's not the case all the time, right? In real estate, right? <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it right. can't go down forever. It can't go. It's not going to go to zero. Yeah, yeah. And let me tell you another high risk eighty twenty profit split investment, right? So yeah, people talk about eighty twenty multifamily deals. Operators good, markets good, but one thing can change in the investment structure. So let's say they said eighty twenty is not based on profit. It's based on whatever equity. I'm going to split twenty percent on day one. Mm-hmm. Right, so you can always structure your paperwork to say that eighty twenty is actually uh, it's a fee that you're paying to us twenty percent. It's eighty twenty, right? Mm-hmm. So that means that today I buy on a deal of for hundred thousand. Let's say I buy a, a, an asset for hundred thousand, and tomorrow I sell. 
the passive investor already lost 20,000. It's like driving a car off the lot. Yeah, <laughs> correct. Exactly. So Maybe that's not a kind analogy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just saying that it's a retained, they call it retained earnings. So uh, I don't know. There's a few words that all this exists in the SEC world or, you know, the way attorneys um, structure the deal. I mean, but based on whatever the operator is asking them to do, right? But but that's a big high risk investment too, right? Uh, basically, you're basically you're paying a fee of 20% on day one to the sponsor, whether he makes money or not, right? It doesn't matter, right? So usually it's all based on profit, right? So that's another way that, you know, uh, investment structures are being created nowadays, right? And, and as I tell you, I mean, I'm sure a lot of your investors are shaking their head too. I didn't know that. I'm going to go back and check the, uh, my, my company agreement, <laughs> right? And, and my advice to them is just go and read very carefully. How does the operational cash flow is being distributed? A lot of times people talk about, oh, capital event. Yeah, capital event refinance and um, sale is very clear, right? But how is the capital, uh, how is the operational distribution is being uh, distributed, right? So... So these are things in the profit split. There's a lot of other things as well. Like sometimes people, you know, pay, you know, day one, they pay like, you know, a big prep return on a value add deal. And it's very, very hard to really make money like 8% or 7% on day one on a prep return on a value add deal because there's, there's no, nothing exists like that. The institutional will come and grab it. They say, I, I'm going to pay 6%, 6%. I don't mind taking a maybe a 4% cash and cash. I'm going to buy that, right? I'm, and the way they do it, they just overraise the money and pay it out of another escrow account, right? Not really from the property, right? And and um, and that is not really an investment in real estate. That's investment into some virtual account, right? So there's two money paying. One is from virtual account being paid and there's another, I mean, while they stabilize the real estate, they, they pay money from virtual account. I mean, I don't know whether that's valid to do or not, but that's another way that... Uh, um, investment structure can be uh, can be changed to you know please investors right and in that case uh, i don't think so even written in the ppm I, I don't know how are they doing it because it's not really written on the ppm ppm do allow for you know money of capital calls to be paid out early uh, like if you have if you have too much capital money then you can pay them pay the investors out early i think that's the loophole people use us right they, they say oh we're going to overraise money for capital and we're just going to keep on paying back. <laughs> it's like overraise and payback through we overraise the capital, but which is not true, right? Everybody knows that because they do it in all the deals. So I do wonder that that does bring up a good point is like, how can somebody, how can an investor tell if they're going into a deal that that has that as part of the setup? I don't know whether they can tell or not uh, the best way to know it. I mean, because I, I invested in uh, one uh, LP investment and, and I, I was getting 8% from day one and I can never figure it out. And, and, uh, and later, okay, because I'm, <laughs> I'm a CCIM, right? I'm going to go look at the financials and I start reading the financials. Take the income minus expense, you get NOI. NOI minus mortgage, you get the total cash flow. Mm-hmm. And I counted the cash flow versus how much money we put in. We are getting 4% cash flow. And how are these people paying 8%? <laughs> Mm. And they've been paying for past, uh, and they're behind by thirty percent of their original uh, projection from what was presented in the beginning. So, so they're behind by twenty percent. The annual is behind by twenty percent. They're paying full pref, right? And when I counted, this, I'm not getting the full price. So, <laughs> where else are they going to get the money, <laughs> right? So, and and later I realized by talking to people, actually, they, they I mean, there are groups out there that create a separate, you know, account to pay out investors. 
And I looked at my PPM. I don't see any provision that allow them to do that. Hmm. Right. So, so it's a, yeah, I mean, so I think, I think investors out there really need to understand who are they investing with and really need to know investment structure in detail, which not many people teach us that, right? I mean, uh, when we, when I talked to you, I said investment structure, hey, it looks very standard, right? People talk about waterfall structure, people talk about profit split, but there's so many nuances behind all that on how the money is being paid out, how the risk is being changed, right? Uh, I mean, for me, it's all about risk because that's what we're investing, right? Yeah, we know real estate's good. It has been going up, but what is the risk? Real estate do go in, cycle, in, in a cycle, right? There's no such thing as going to keep on going forever, right? Uh, and there's no, gonna, such, then there's no such thing as like crash-proof or, or risk-free yeah. or, or anything like that. But I... You know, and and when you said this before we started recording, my mind first went to like financing debt. What's the you know? Are you talking about the the risk of you know over leveraging mm-hmm. something like that? But there's mm-hmm. a little more, um, there's a little more nuance there. And I want to make sure we cover, or at least I ask. So, in your opinion, what is a way to structure a deal to mitigate some of these risks, or or what do you think? like the right way is to do this deal structure? Uh, deal structure, I mean, just make sure that investors are being really taken care of. Uh, make sure that you give the lowest risk to them, not give them the highest risk and don't tell them. I mean, and, and the way to do it is just make sure your cash flow that's giving to them is actually pure profit, right? Because that's the risk that they, I mean, in case the deal doesn't do well, at least they have some, they had some cash flow that they made some profit out of it, Right. The worst thing when you don't give them cash flow, you're you're putting all your eggs in one basket at the sale, right? But that's very high risk proposition. And as I said, for the past eleven years, everything has been going going very well, so no issues there. But it doesn't go very well all the time, right? So um, yeah, just make sure it's profited and make sure that you explain to them, you educate your investors how it's being structured, right? Um, like for example, uh, I did. Uh, I did uh, I did a small deal recently, like just a one million dollar raise. So it's just for a small raise, and I, I structured it as a debt, right? But most of my investors doesn't know that we are structuring as a debt, even though I clearly mentioned on my email and all that. But once I get a commitment, I got like six times more commitment from for that one million, and I sent a mail. I resend a mail to all my investors. Hey, make sure you know this is not equity investment. This is more like a loan type of investment. Make sure you are aware. So I, I I double communicate with them on an email. Right, and some people dropped out. That's okay, but I, I just want to make sure that people understand what are they investing in, right? And and that's key, right? Uh, rather than just taking their money and you know, hopefully, you're gonna make profit for them. Because uh, I think deals can go good or bad, right? But key thing is everybody to understand what they, what they have invested in. Absolutely, I mean, we do have a lot of passive listeners or passive investors who listen to the show, and and you know, I appreciate your answer. Certainly, it's. But, feel like it's it's from the sponsor's perspective which we both said in that share is here's how we adequately disclose which is certainly very important i wonder for what do you think for the passive investor who's looking at these deals and wants to say well shoot i want to know how to protect myself or at least make sure i really understand the deal structure and if it's set up for my success or if they're kind of hiding something uh-huh. what are your thoughts about that is it's ultimately going in and doing that math like you described looking at noi minus debt service and what's the cash flow versus what's the pref and you know what's that all uh-huh. look like what do you think? that that would be the best way you know post investment right you already invested in that person right i mean you can go and audit your investment and see you know are they really making pref to see that pref return right but 
but that that is not visible on other structures right like 80 20 you know you have to really go and understand what have you signed up for in your in your in your ppm and your company agreement right and every time i talk to a, a very advanced in, i mean a, a lot of advanced investors when i talk to them when i explain to them this they got a shock and when they go back and check and they 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 they, they look at the 10 investment and they say oh this is this is right <laughs> but 80 percent is if it's not, it's not right right so now they realize okay so one guy is doing it correctly there's another you know six guys not doing correctly so at least now they know right but only when you explain in detail on how to look for all this like whatever i've already explained i'm sure a lot of people are going to go back and see their investments they're going to realize right but as i said 80 to 90 percent of the deals out there on a I would call it as independent syndicators or independent sponsors. They do it correctly because that's the right way to do. But there are some some groups out there, you know, where they have that. Um, I don't know how it become more common in that groups. Uh, they have they have done it completely different from the normal investment uh, what you call philosophy, right? Uh, but as I said, it's not. I don't know whether it's legal or not legal. I'm not a lawyer, but you know, it's all written on the PPM. And if you sign it, you signed up for it, right? So, so the best thing to do is just learn uh, the investment structure. And and I don't want to sound uh, salesy. I mean, I do have a small video course on this where I teach the detailed investment structure on how to see it, how to see, you know, how to go and identify how each person has written their PPM, right? So. Uh, that's going to be in passiveinvestinginrealestate.com uh, website. That is a solid URL. That definitely, uh, <laughs> that must have been tough to get. I would, I would assume. Yeah, yeah. Passiveinvestinginrealestate.com. Yeah. Nice. I, have, I have my book there. And after that, there's a, there's a course, a video course, which explains uh, investment structures. Nice. Well, great. I love all of it so far. And right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Have you ever wanted to invest in the private lending and debt side of real estate? You might find that going out and finding borrowers on your own is tough. When you find a borrower, you have the task of evaluating their plan all on your own. And the traditional way of lending private money highly concentrates your risk because you'll probably be funding the whole rehab loan on your own. That meant writing loan checks well into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, placing a lot of risk in individual borrowers and properties. Not to mention, there's a lot for you to know in terms of how to structure these loans so that you can help protect yourself and work with the borrower in your interests. Now, there's a new way to invest in the debt side of real estate that turns the private money lending space on its head. You can invest in a variety of debt instruments with this new platform with as little as $10 in each opportunity. You can diversify your investment across a wide variety of borrowers, geographies, and asset types. This new platform is called ground floor. They make it easy to invest in either your name or using your self-directed IRA. And if you don't already have a self-directed IRA, don't worry. They make it easy to get started and get one opened. Go to www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor to get started or click the link in the show notes. See the ground floor site for full terms and details of what they offer. Once again, that's www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor, or click the link in the show notes. Back to the show. All right, James, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Absolutely. Let's do it. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Best? Other than education is always the best, right? So. That's why that answer is not on there. I would take that one off. Are you talking about like real estate investments? 
I mean, honestly, whatever you like. I love hearing a, a deal story if you've got one. Uh, uh-huh. Kind of a little bit open-ended other than... No, oh, okay. okay. Yeah, deal story. Yeah, deal story. Absolutely. Yeah, the uh, our second deal... In fact, the first two deals were was the, the best investment, right? So we made like almost... I mean, the first deal, we made like 330% in four years, 50% IRR. Uh, the second deal, we still have it. Uh, we refinance 100% in one year, right? Uh, we put in $6 million. We took out $6 million in 12 months and the building is free, right? <laughs> where, where can you get, you know, walk around and say, this building is free, you know, all my, me and my investors own it, right? Kind of thing. Uh, even the third investment also, we we took out like almost uh, 80% in, uh, not in 12 months, but we did in 15 months, which is still an awesome investment, right? 80% capital return back. Yeah, these are the few deals that we do. And we are, I mean, I do have a lot of, we have like 10 deals right now and a lot of it is going to be really good deals. The last deal we did in, um, you know, six months ago was an awesome investment as well. We we put it under contract in three days. You know, today broker called me, tomorrow I drove, the third day we put it under contract. <laughs> we got it almost at 30% discount on that wow. day. And, and, you know, where do you hear people getting discounts on deals nowadays, right? <laughs> you always You always end up overpaying because of you going through this bidding war, but... But that was a really good deal. Uh, um, I mean, we're still stabilizing the deal, but we are. It was negative cash flowing four hundred thousand six months ago. Now it's like positive cash flowing, uh, at least two hundred thousand. Right, so that's really good. Right, in six months we turn around from you know negative half a million to positive. Um, and, and part of it is because we are we are really good operators. You know, we we are specialized in uh, turning around deep difficult deals i know a lot of people nowadays are buying class a's and you know all the nicer properties is cash flows um, but you know we are really really good at uh, buying the difficult deals and turning it around because that's where you make the most money right me we and also the investors when i like that you've got a, a from the outside looking in looks like you have a very um a, a tight geographical area where you do deals, which is a, can give you a, a major advantage over folks coming in from out of town, trying to do. Absolutely. Deals Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We focus a lot in Austin and San Antonio and that, I mean, a lot of our deals are here primarily in San Antonio, but uh, a lot of it is there. And, uh, and yeah, we built all our infrastructure, our property management, our construction, all that, you know, nearby so that we can turn around quickly. And that's the one way to really make a difference in this, in this uh, hot market, right? I mean, if you start buying everywhere, you're just, if you go from, if I go from Texas to, if I go to Atlanta, yeah, I'm just an outsider, right? <laughs> Which means I'll get probably the worst deals out there for if I do my first deals, right? Uh, it's good to focus on one uh, geography. Yeah. And you can get there in, you know, uh, in the next day and then get a place mm-hmm. under contract and, get yourself mm-hmm. a discount so there's many advantages <laughs> to be, you know. that's a very very rare deal i don't wanna, i don't want to say all that deals are the same right uh, but that's a very rare deal where we got it uh, we bought it at a really good price and a really good market on a really good sub market as well nice so we had the best investment or best investments now we go to the mm-hmm. other side of that coin the worst investment what is the worst investment you ever made? The worst is when I when I started where, you know, in single family, um, I didn't have any mentors, no education at all. I thought, you know, I'm an engineer. <laughs> like I know all numbers. I can, ah, this is simple, right? I mean, how, is diffi- how difficult is it going to be? I made the wrong calculation of appraisal value of my deal. And uh, I mean, I didn't end up closing on that house, but I lost my earnest money, like $3,000. So, um, but I thought, I thought the ego that I had at that time without being educated, 
uh, in real estate was the root cause of that, right? <laughs> Uh, so I'm very, very careful about doing rental comps, doing, you know, compar- comparables to make sure that I'm able to really get that upside. So that's what's my learning on my first house that I supposed to buy. <laughs> I didn't close, but I lost my earnest money. Well, tough lesson learned, but you've certainly made mm-hmm. up <laughs> made up for it. And that is mm-hmm. one of the advantages of being nearby uh, is you can go look at the property and the comps mm-hmm. aren't just numbers on a page or numbers on a website. You can go see, is this the same part of town? Is this the same you know character, the neighborhood that you're comparing to? And I think folks buying from out of town can make that mistake a lot of times. They just, it's just a property on a map. What's the difference? It's a, you know, one street yeah. one block over or something like that. Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah no, I think uh, the mistake on that is uh, I didn't understand how a renter would think on when renting a place. Right, a thousand square feet house. Uh, let's say they're getting a thousand dollar in rent compared to a six hundred uh, square feet house compared to six hundred. Right? I mean, I thought six. Yeah, somebody who's paying six hundred dollars for six hundred square feet house is going to pay thousand dollars. <laughs> That's what I thought. I'm just you know just a linear equation, right? Uh, so that was my mistake. I mean, renters don't think like that, right? So you may give them a big house, but they can't pay $1,000. So they probably pay like 700, 750. That's all they can afford, right? So, right. Wow. So that was key learning for me. Well, you've, you've learned, uh, you learned the lesson and, and are all the better for it. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Business and um, I think add value to others. Uh, try to add as much as value to others, and that's where you build trust. And um, you know, um, second is get good mentors. Uh, mentors can really show you the shortcuts. And these are the two things that I think is is very key that I've learned uh, throughout this business venture. Nice. Well, I love it. And James, thank you so much for joining us today. You pointed, you pointed out some really important things that you know, folks aren't there talking about. I like the way you've kind of restructured uh, the, the priority of deal structure in things that, you, that investors should look at when evaluating deals. If folks want to reach out, they want to find you, they want to find your book or anything like that, yeah, can they yeah. track you down? Yeah, my book, I mean, if you're on YouTube, you can see the passive investing in commercial real estate. We have sold thousands of it. I, I didn't realize I'm going to sell this chapter for free uh, without paying that uh, handling fee. Uh, my website is achieveinvestmentgroup.com. Achieves like achieving a goal, A-C-H-I-E-V-E, achieveinvestmentgroup.com. Uh, my email is james at achieveinvestmentgroup.com. I welcome you guys to connect with me. And uh, I'm in LinkedIn, James Kandasamy, Facebook, James Kandasamy. Uh, we have a huge Facebook uh, group as well called Multifamily Investors Group, which is like almost 9,000 people right now. So I'm a lot more active there because you know I share a lot of things in that group uh, and uh, it's very you know very uh, focused on uh, adding value to other groups so these are the few places that you can get hold of me great well james thank you once again for joining us today to everybody out there thank you for tuning in if you're enjoying the show please leave us a rating and review on apple podcast i appreciate that so much that helps other people learn about the show that helps us rank higher in the apple podcast ecosystem and i'm always honest with you guys that gives me the warm and fuzzies because i get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the wall street casino along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thank you for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.